okay, okay, okay. This is the one and only Javi G. You can catch me on Anchor, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, anywhere else you might find podcasts. You can catch me on YouTube, Javi G channel, for all the fun updates. You can see me on TikTok, Javier Gobbledone. You can see me on IG, Beam 77 Anywhere you can think of me, I might be. Have a good one. <laughs> nice. Hey, are you dealing with any new aches and pains in your body? Well, go on over to thepurplesage.store and take a look at some of the CBD-infused products that they have there for pain management. They have some pain patches. They have lotions. They have creams and salves. They've even got the droppers for the CBD oil that you can put under your tongue. So give it a try. Hopefully it'll help. And hey, don't forget about your pup. They've also got CBD dog treats because, hey, your pups, as they get older, they start to get aches and pains too. So go on over to thepurplesage.store to get all your CBD products. Thank you. ourselves in the position that I have something I'd like to talk about and you're intrigued enough to want to listen to it so far so good huh well on my daily one of my daily walks today with the dogs I started thinking about addiction And if there is anything in my life that I may be having issues with that could be considered an addiction. So this is going to be one of those episodes that I'm just going to kind of unpack my thoughts on this subject. And maybe by the time we get to the end end of it, there will be this revelatory moment where I feel that uh, through the therapy of speaking aloud, <laughs> I've found a solution for a problem that I may or may not have known that I had. So let's talk about addiction first. Um, of course, you know, you you got to refer back to our good friends in the Collegiate Dictionary. Uh, the definition of addiction that we're going to be going off of is a compulsive, chronic, psychological, or physiological need for a habit-forming substance, behavior, or activity having harmful physical, psychological, or social effects and typically causing well-defined symptoms such as anxiety, irritability, tremors, or nausea. 
upon withdrawal or abstinence of these activities or substances. So, that's pretty deep. That's pretty specific. That's pretty, pretty broad, too. So, what does addiction mean to me? So, I've always looked at an addiction as something that you couldn't live without. It was something that was so consuming that it affected all aspects of your life. For instance, substance abuse, alcoholism. I've known people in my life that are alcoholics and they their mindset on it is that they're always alcoholics that that's something that they never get rid of that there's always that urge there's always that desire to have a drink that does seem troublesome that does seem like a problem uh in all my time as a drinker, I don't think I ever had that feeling of addiction with alcohol. I used to drink a lot in my younger days. Mostly uh, in social engagements, out with friends, hanging out at a buddy's house, at a party, those kind of things. Did I drink at home? Yes. Did I drink in excess? Most definitely. It, it's a very rare occasion back then that I would only have just a, a drink. It would always be to the point of drunkenness. And it was, there's a lot of dark spots. There's a lot of missing memories from those times. That's not good. Clearly that's a bad thing. Um, waking up and not knowing what you had done the night before. Sometimes seeing the, the repercussions of what had happened the night before. A broken chair, a hole in the wall, vomit all over the bathroom floor, whatever it was. <laughs> Sometimes you'd wake up to that and not remember what happened. And that's it's very dangerous. Uh, mostly, I would like to say that I uh, kept those type of activities uh, at home. You know, if we would have friends over, uh, driving under the influence rarely. I would always try to be safe. There were probably occasions where I had a bit of a buzz when I drove from a friend's house to get home. But, uh, knock on wood, as they say, never had an accident. Looking back on that, am I proud of those activities or that behavior? No. I try to remain a little bit more in control 
of myself <clears throat> and my behavior these days. But back then, I was young and dumb. And <clears throat> I felt like that I was just having a good time. It affected a lot of aspects of my relationship. My relationship with my wife was very rocky at that time. To her credit, she saw fit to uh, to remove herself and, at the time, our young daughter from those situations. Uh, and uh, I think it was probably for the best. Uh, I was out of control from that aspect. Was I an alcoholic? God, it's hard to, it's hard to put a, a, a finger on that because I didn't drink from sunup to sundown. It was a joke. We would always joke about having beer for breakfast. But, uh, no, I mean, I, I would go to work. I wouldn't go to work drunk. I remember specifically a, a point in time working at a place, and this was probably in a, in a time whenever I drank quite a bit. I never drank at work. But I remember uh, a guy getting... <clears throat> getting kicked off of a job because he was found to be drunk on the job. And I remember being just horrified by that. Wow, that's terrible. How could, how could someone do that? How could someone drink and come to work? I mean, wow, that seems dangerous. That seems irresponsible. But yet, on the other side of that same token, uh, I've Never had a problem going home and uh, drinking to excess. And uh, so, is there a bit of hypocrisy there? Probably. But, I don't feel like, at that time, that I was a alcoholic. So, was I addicted to alcohol? By this definition that we've just read, it's borderline. I didn't feel like it was a physical craving, a need. It was just to cut loose and have a good time. But I always went to excess, so that's that's where it kind of gets into the borderline area. It was not controllable. I had very little control over it. I liked that feeling that being drunk gave me made me, you know, I laughed, would joke around, having a good time, but I definitely did not like the feeling afterwards, the hangover, the headache, the dehydration, uh, the, the stomach cramps, yeah, no good, not a good feeling, and, and so at some point, um, we decided as a family that we were going to start going to church and I remember another specific point in time walking into my house with a six pack of my favorite beer at the time and realizing that that was the last 
that was it. That was the last of it. That things were about to change and that that lifestyle was about to be over for me. And I would say with 100% certainty and confidence that it was for the best. Your body can only handle that type of abuse. And it is abuse. Uh, it, you're, it, yeah, I don't think anyone can deny that drinking alcohol in excess is bad for your body. There's plenty of scientific evidence. There's plenty of medical evidence. So, that was a turning point in my life. And my ability to drop that without having issues, without withdrawal. With, I don't, again, I don't re recall having, you know, the DTs, as they call it, uh, but just stop. Cold turkey? I say that with a question mark at the end of it, but that's pretty much what it was. At the time I smoked cigarettes, same thing. Both of those substances were out of my life. Uh, now, it's... Did I go through a program? Did I go through a... Classes to deal with it? No, I just stopped. Does that seem strange? It, in a way, it does. Does that contradict the definition of addiction? I don't know. Did I ever want to drink after that? No, I, I didn't. Because I, I remembered. I remembered that behavior, and I remembered how I would feel afterwards. And I remember the love that I had for my wife and my child and my family. And I, I didn't, I had a different outlook on life after that. I didn't want to miss anything. And having those gaps in my memory, I didn't act like it bothered me, but it did. It bothered me in that I didn't know what was, what had happened in that period of time. And as we focused more on our family and having children and raising our children, I didn't want to miss those moments. I didn't want there to be gaps in my memories. I wanted to be present in all the activities that we had as a family. So... That's my experience with alcohol. Probably the worst experiences that I've had with alcohol. Those were pretty grim times. Now, we were a very religious family for about 20 years. Abstained from those type of substances and activities for a long time. But then... For whatever reason, it's been reintroduced into my life. Now, differently, and I would like to think 
that it's because I'm older, wiser, grown up, call it what you want, but I feel like that now drinking is, it's not a have to, it's just a, you know, on a celebration, for a celebration, sure, every day, no. Have there been days where I've drank every day? Maybe a beer. Maybe a shot of whiskey. Sipped on slowly. Not shot like a... Like I'm at the bar slapping them down, but, you know. Just a slow sip. Throughout the night. Um... Does that become problematic? I don't think so. Now, the only problematic aspect of it could be with my relationship with my children. So my kids, one of them, when we started our journey of uh, going to church and being religious, she was six or seven, maybe. Um, so she had a pretty pretty wild childhood from the perspective of that her parents uh, partied a lot. We were teenagers. What can I say? We were young, young and dumb. And so, but the other three, we they were raised in an environment of no drinking, no smoking, uh, going to church regularly, attending church functions, attending uh, other members, uh, social engagements, interacting, and those kind of things. So they never saw that side of life. Now, do, does my oldest daughter, does she remember any of that? Probably not. She was fairly young. Do I remember any of that? Vaguely. Pieces. Not very proud of some of those pieces, but again... Refer back to the young and dumb definition. So, but now that my kids have become teenagers and adults and their dad has a beer occasionally. I'm not really sure what they think about it. I know we've... Uh, I've tried to do it in a responsible manner and not made it out like I'm some kind of a booze hound that's... <laughs> so, uh, but, you know, there have been comments that are kind of funny. And that I can find them funny, I think, makes them uh, harmless. Maybe someday I'll have to have a talk with them about the why but the why is not for this conversation either we're talking about addiction so <clears throat> I feel confident in my ability to say I hope I never have to eat these words but I do not feel like I am addicted to alcohol 
praise whatever being or entity that you uh, that you may uh, see as a higher power, but I don't. I don't feel like I'm an addicted, an alcoholic or addicted to alcohol. Does that make me better than other people? No. It probably just makes me lucky. So, let's skip that one. We've got that one unpacked or packaged out, parsed out enough. Um, back in the early days, I also partook of uh, some substances that weren't so legal. Some of them to excess as well. And when I say excess, it was daily use. We're talking about smoking. Not cigarettes, but yes, I did smoke cigarettes as well. Um, but in this particular case, we'll talk about the herb, weed, marijuana, call it what you want. Back then, uh, it was a pretty regular part of my life. Was that an addiction? That's another tough one to, uh, to unpack because I still functioned. I still went to work. I still paid my bills. I still I still did the things that made me a functioning member of society. But... It was a frequent, I mean, there wasn't, there was solid days. It was not a day that would go by that I wouldn't have a smoke. <clears throat> so, that also could be considered an addiction. But it was also stopped, just like the cigarettes and the alcohol. It was parked, and never had that desire again for a long long time again 20 years now recently a lot of places states it has been made a legal recreational substance I have visited some of these places but I've not partaken at those places I have partaken in the safety of my own home recently, and I'm still not 100% sure that it's something that I'm into. The feeling that I get from it now is not the same feeling that I got from it back then. Now, clearly, time has uh, passed. Marijuana has become a 
much larger industry. And I would say the potency of the substance is tremendously different than it was back in the days whenever I was a teenager and smoked. So maybe that has a lot to do with it. It's that the intensity of that feeling is not as comfortable. I mean, back back in early days, you'd smoke a little just to chill, listen to some music, and just kick around the house, you know. But the feeling that I it gives me now is more of a very self-analytical. It's like I'm inside of, it's stuck inside my head too much. And that's never a good place. <laughs> so <clears throat> I, I could easily say that, that there's no addiction there at the moment <laughs> uh, with any of these that we're talking about, hopefully. But so that, and plus it's, uh, it's just not a, I don't know. It's all right on occasion, but as a regular, I try not to, uh, it, it doesn't even have a craving. So <clears throat> there's that. Let's talk about some other substances. Now that we've talked about the two biggest ones uh, that you come across for, for uh, the, the phrase of addiction. <clears throat> How about sugar? Wow. Sugar. I love candy. I love chocolate. I love sweets. I love cupcakes. I love syrup. <laughs> Pretty much if there's sugar in it, I will probably like it. I can't think of a time when I haven't had at least something with sugar in it. We have, we're, our, there, our house is, there's candy everywhere. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that we, we live at Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory, but <clears throat> there's, like right now I'm staring at a bag of uh, mini uh, Reese's peanut butter cups and a box of uh, knockoff Samoa cookies. <laughs> um, and that's just what's sitting in front of me. Am I eating on them? No. Uh, but they're there. I know they're there. And if I want one, all I got to do is reach over into the bag and pull one out and chew on it. <clears throat> so, do I feel... So that, yeah, okay, so that craving, is that craving there? Not right now. Uh, I'm sure at some point I'll reach into the bowl of M&Ms and eat a few. Had a few last night. Um, so does that, does that fall into that category of addiction? Well, I think because it's so readily available and it's not... Uh, something that is frowned upon in our society. I mean, 
there's people who don't like sweets, <clears throat> but for the most part, uh, sweets is just, I mean, dessert right after dinner that, you know, your waiter or waitress, uh, would you like to see the dessert menu? I mean, that's just, it's commonplace. Um, so, and when you're, you know, you go to an outing, you know, a social event, a potluck or whatever, you know, who's bringing dessert? There's always going to be dessert. So I've never attempted to go on a sugar-free diet. Um, the last few times that I've gone to the dentist, no cavities. I know that's not a, a justification, but uh, I mean, if my teeth were rotting out of my head from sugar, then I would think that could be a problem. So from that perspective, I feel okay about it. Um, the last few times that I've gone to the doctor, there haven't been any signs of diabetes or concerns for those kind of things. It doesn't really run in my family. Uh, so maybe I dodged a bullet on that. And it's something that I can I can almost get sick of. I mean, I'll, I'll eat some candy and then I just get bored with it. I just get tired of it. It's just the, whether the flavor or whatever, it's just blah, done with it, you know? Uh, I mean, I've, I will say this. I met a guy one time who, it blew his mind the way that I ate candy. Uh, for instance, a bag of M&Ms or a Snickers bar. I would just, I'd take a bite and then uh, set it down. And then, I don't know, you know, sometime later, pick it up again, take another bite of the Snickers bar, or pour a few more M&Ms in my hand, and then put the bag down. These weren't king size. These were your normal size bars or bags. And it, uh, it blew his mind. He was like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm just, uh, what do you mean? And he said, so the way, the way that you eat that candy is not normal <laughs> I, 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 I didn't really get what he was saying and then he uh, he said well for me when I open a bag of M&M's they're consumed in their entirety right there right then I just I don't necessarily pour them all in my hand but I'll pour them in my hand throw them in my mouth chew them up pour them in my hand throw them in my mouth chew them up that's how he ate candy that's how he partook of sweets uh, but not, but I've never done it like that. I mean, I've always just had a little bite, gone and done whatever, had another little bite. So, I, again, I love my sweets. I love cakes and ice cream. That used to be a daily routine for me every night have a bowl of ice cream before bed um, not so much anymore it tends to upset my stomach a little bit but yeah there was a time when ice cream was a was a huge part of my daily routine but um, anyway so addiction to sugar 
there's probably more of a, <clears throat> of a physiological reliance on it. And because it is so prevalent in my life, I don't recognize that it's a, an addiction. But it could be. Let me know your thoughts on that down in the comments. Okay. Um, caffeine. Ooh, boy, here we go. All right, here's another one. Um, I grew up drinking soda. <laughs> I remember early, early, uh, junior high, uh, there was this drink out called Jolt Cola, and it was like two or three times the caffeine of your normal. And we would play video games all night and drink Jolt Cola to keep us up. And, and it was six-pack of Jolt Cola would just, I mean bouncing off the walls high in sugar obviously too uh, but the caffeine is uh, what we're talking about right now so soda yeah I've always done uh, been a big soda drinker now uh, I did go through a period of non uh, non caffeine uncaffeinated sodas um, and that was I mean that wasn't so much the religious thing as it was more of a health thing um, at the time, I was trying to keep away from potentially addictive substances. Probably fed into it a little bit. But um, it's been an on-again, off-again thing. So potentially addicted to caffeine. Yeah, I mean, uh, now, here's the biggie. Recently... Um, started drinking coffee more your bouquet or boutique type coffees mochas lattes not a you know black coffee guy uh, I have powered through it occasionally just to see what it was like but <clears throat> I, I prefer the mochas uh, don't judge me <laughs> so, all you coffee purists out there, uh, it's just, you know, I like the flavor. Sorry. And I don't like the flavor of coffee. <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, so I like it to be masked with uh, another, some other flavor. Uh, and I know that's probably uh, heresy to uh, those coffee enthusiasts out there. But uh, that's just what it is. Now... Do I feel an addiction to coffee? I would have to say no. Now, lately I have had a, pretty much a coffee a day. Sometimes in the evenings. Which is strange. I don't drink it for the caffeine kick. Because I'll drink it before bed. Which is probably terrible for you. Um, but. I don't know. I just uh, It's kind of just become a routine. Drinking of the coffee. The mocha. Uh, I, I guess I could really pinpoint the start of that. Uh, was I'll blame it on our local convenience store. They had a deal <clears throat> going for a while where any size coffee was a dollar, <clears throat> and so I started uh, dabbling a bit in the coffee and hot cocoa combination. 
and had dabbled with that previously at a facility that I worked for where coffee was, uh, you know, the, the old coffee pots were there for everybody to partake of in the break room. And they had the little uh, packets of hot cocoa. And so I would put the cocoa in the cup and pour coffee in it. And that was kind of my uh, my thing while we were, while I was working at this place. And so I did sense a little bit of additional focus uh, when drinking it at first. So that could have been why. There was a lot going on at the time, and I was trying to keep all my ducks in a row, as the phrase goes. And so... Yeah, it helped me to focus a little bit, so I wasn't as scattered. Focus is a whole other episode uh, we can talk about. Put a pin in that one. Parking in the parking lot. We'll, we'll get into focus issues some other time. So, <clears throat> so yeah, so then it went from there to the dollar coffees. Uh, and then now, uh, I'll go, gosh, I can, I can almost still feel this feeling when I walked into my... Uh, convenience store of choice and now it was this particular I've I'll narrow it down it was this one particular convenience store because they had a grinder wow this wasn't you know the the already ground in a pot uh drippy drippy this was you could see the beans and when you selected the whatever beverage it was you could watch it as it ground up you know, the beans as they wiggled around and the grinder was grinding it <laughs> and it went through the brewing process and then spat out your your coffee beverage. That was more fascinating, I think, than the drinking of the beverage. But the flavor of that particular bean or whatever, not again, I'm not a coffee en- enthusiast, clearly, uh, but I'm sure there was something about the freshly ground coffee versus the stale, sat around, already ground, pre-ground coffee. Um, I'm sure all of you coffee guys are going to blow up the comments and tell me, uh, you know, the scientific explanation for what it is. But anyway, for me, it was, it was just a fun little thing. Now that was the only place that I knew of that had that as a convenience store. And so when, when all of this, uh, closing of businesses occurred now the the place is still open but they're not serving beverages that was a shock to me I walked in one day because this, this, at this time it was a daily thing I'd walk in every morning and uh, go over there went through the routine threw quarters of the cup with the, the grinder uh, and then filled the rest of it up with hot cocoa and the extra large of course on the on the cup and yeah, they, it was all, it was all, they had tables in front of it and there was caution tape across the coffee makers and the soda machines. And I was like, well, hey, what gives guys? Where, what's going on? And they said, well, the, the local police came in and shut down their, their beverage uh, stations. I couldn't believe it. I thought. That's insanity. We are still in America, right? This is still land of the free and 
wow, are you serious? And so <clears throat> then I found it, it. So I went to another on the way home. I passed several other convenience stores, stopped at them. Same thing. They were all shut down. And I, I couldn't believe it. So, yeah. So I went for a good period of not having the coffee. Didn't really feel a, you know, the the cravings and the jitters or anything like that. But it uh, it irritated me more than anything, you know. So, and then I guess I started getting it from uh, the fast food places. And it definitely fails in comparison uh, to that particular. So then I also looked into buying a coffee maker, grinder. Good gosh. What a... It's an enormous amount of money to invest. And so I couldn't justify it when I was getting coffee for a dollar a day. Uh, you know, drop two, three hundred dollars on this machine. And then I've got to buy the beans and then I've got to buy, you know, a cup to put it in and then creamers and, huh, if, if this, could, this, this could, could get out of control. No, I'm not going to spend my money on that. So um, we've just suffered through. No, the dollar coffee's not there anymore. I can find it for $2 at certain places. So clearly, I'm not that much of a coffee snob if I'm not willing to buy. It doesn't have to be the 5 or $6 coffees. Um, so I think we can park that one in the uh, not addicted category. If you disagree, let me know. <clears throat> All right, so that's, that's substances. And that's my thoughts on the substances that are in my life that potentially have uh, addictive qualities. Now, what about activities? <clears throat> are there any activities that I participate in that could be considered addictive? Because that's also part of the definition. It could be an, an activity. Um, I've heard of people addicted to sex. I've heard of uh, people addicted to working out. Um, I don't work out. I have a fair amount of sex. I don't feel like either one of those would qualify as addictions for me. Because whenever I go without them, does it make me a little moody when, when I'm not having, uh, when I haven't had sexual relations for a little while? Probably. But that doesn't mean that I'm rushing out to go find a, a substitute for it, you know. Um, I, I would think that an, a person addicted to sex would probably partake of prostitution if they weren't getting enough of the sex in their normal life. So that's never been a thing for me. Uh, pornography, too. I'm not, I probably can say I've been very fortunate and not ever being interested in pornography uh, from the perspective of I know there's that's a huge problem in our society of men and women being addicted to pornography wow I can't even imagine and I hope to never have to suffer through something like that uh, I just I'm pornography is not my thing um, and even going back as a teenager, I remember going to buddies' houses and they'd pull out their dad's nudie mags. And I wouldn't say I was repulsed by it, but it definitely didn't do anything for me. It didn't, you know, create some kind of a 
a, a high or a buzz in me to make me want to see more of it, you know? And in movies these days, it's, I mean, there's always a sex scene in their TV shows and movies and there's plenty of boobies and, and shots of, uh, you know, every part of the body. It's, to me, the body, the human body is beautiful to me. Uh, I, I find it more uh, of a, I don't find it as a, from a sexual perspective as much as a, it's fascinating to me, the human body, and it's uh, everything about it. It's just, uh, it's, it, I find it more fascinating than I do sexually arousing. Um, now, do I get aroused by images occasionally? I mean, it's happened before. Uh, but is it something like I feel like I have to do or I need to go watch some porn video to get get my jollies off? No, not really. <clears throat> when it comes up in a movie, I mean, I, there were times where I would skip through it, uh, especially if it was something that I could feel was making uh, that was uncomfortable uh, to my wife or to me. If it was like a little too pornographic, would skip through that. We still do. I mean, it's unnecessary. I don't know why they feel like they have to put that so much of that in movies these days, because it's not even real. Okay, let's let's. I don't mean to go on on this tangent, but let's just briefly discuss for a moment my thoughts on pornography. It's one one of the reasons it's so bad. Is it's fantasy? It's not real. People. I mean, you're look, even the positions that they show that they're having sex in in these, in some movies. Clearly, they're not. They're just showing like waist up. But it's like that's not even physically possible for you to be having sex in that manner. So that's what the hell is that, you know? Um, but then it, there's times when they do show a lot more uh, realistic type engagements, and I don't know. It's just not. It doesn't really do a thing for me. It's like, okay, it's very troublesome when there's pertinent dialogue being shared during this. It's almost like they do that on purpose. Shit. Come on, people. Just leave the sex to the sex part of the show and then give me the, give me the, the important dialogue separately. You know, maybe afterwards when they're lying in bed in their afterglow or whatever. They can talk about, you know, the crime uh, that they're trying to solve or the the bad guy that they're chasing after or whatever. It just seems so ridiculous sometimes that they're having these conversations while they're having sex. I'm not saying I've never had a conversation while having sex, uh, but usually we're focusing on the, the task at hand and then we, there's plenty of time to talk afterwards. Uh, but anyway, it's neither here nor there. Uh, so yeah, the pornography thing, bad news. And I feel, <clears throat> I feel uh, for anyone who's, who's caught in that trap. And I would say, get out of it as fast as you can, because that's it, it skews your perception of relationships and of how to behave towards people that you uh, have sexual feelings for. Uh, it really, it can mess with your head big time, from what I gather. Uh, and just from the little bit of that, that I've seen and how unrealistic it is and how I can see if that's all you thought of, if you didn't have regular relationships with uh, 
people of the opposite sex or of people of the same sex, if that's your thing. Uh, if that's if if your desires are in that manner, if if that's all you saw. What